My subject today is in the midnight hour. It's been about 25 years ago, but when I think back to one particular trip that I took, it's as fresh in my mind today as it was when it happened. I was stationed in Panama, and I befriended a young couple who was stranded there at the base airport en route to see the husband's family in Guatemala. I took them home with me overnight, and in return, they told me when they came back through, I could go come and visit them in Costa Rica. Excitedly riding the Tika bus from Panama to Costa Rica. Now, the Tika bus is the Central American equivalent to our Greyhound bus with some other amenity, amenities like live poultry and plenty of produce. Finally, after hours of travel, we arrived in San Jose. Now, I'm a native New Yorker. And after traveling many times from uh, Port Authority in New York City, I had some big expectations for the capital city of Costa Rica. For starters, even though it was well after midnight when I arrived, I expected the bus terminal to be open. But it was closed. I expected to see a well-lit bus station but it was pitch black. I expected that my friends were gonna call the bus terminal to find out when I would arrive and be there to meet me, but they weren't there. I thought there'd be a long line of cabs there waiting for a fare, not one cab in sight. A woman and her teenage nephew got off the bus with me and then the bus pulled off. I could see the closed station behind me and this funny looking little payphone in front of me and I didn't have one Costa Rican coin. All I could think was, girl, you're in a fix again. <laughs> Paul and Silas were also in a fix. They had interfered with a money-making racket in which a young woman sold fortunes and she gave the profits to the businessmen for whom she worked. And when Paul and Silas interrupted that money flow, those businessmen were very upset and they had them thrown into jail. A guard was charged to keep watch over them, and he took his job really seriously, so he put them way in an in inner cell, and he chained their feet. I can well imagine that Paul and Silas were asking themselves the same questions that I had asked myself. What now? How do I get out of this fix that I'm in? I want you to know that it's not just criminals who find themselves trapped by circumstances or ambushed by the unexpected. We don't have to be in jail to find ourselves in a tight situation. We don't have to be on a desolate street all by ourselves 
to find that we are in a predicament. We can be sitting right in the church pew and find ourselves in emotional turmoil and faced with spiritual dilemmas. We can be sitting right in the church needing and praying for a release. I want you to work with me now. I'm trying to tell you that Paul and Silas were somewhere locked up physically. They were in jail. They were faced with limits and restrictions. They were in bonds. They were carcerated. That means that their body was not free. When it comes to the subject of race relations, some of us are in bonds as well. We may not be in chains literally, but if our mind is chained to death-affirming habits and life-defying customs, we are not free. It's impossible for our bodies to go forward if our minds are kept under house arrest. It doesn't matter if we're Christian or not, black or white, the average American regards the subject of racial disparity with suspicion. When we bring up the issue of race, there's a palpable tension that hangs in the air. The polite and the safe thing to do, of course, is simply to ignore the issues. We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But you know what the truth is? Sometimes I get tired of being constrained by your presence, just like sometimes I know you get tired of being constrained by mine. We, somebody said, all right, I know it's true. <laughs> I know it's true. We have to do a little bit more than just juxtapose our worship styles. Until we work it out, we are compelled to sit like Paul and Silas waiting for a change to come. And the scripture lets us know that when midnight came, something changed. There's something about midnight that just makes us think that we are at the end of our rope. Midnight is where we find no options. There's something about midnight that magnifies our helplessness because if we had the power to fix the problem, we certainly wouldn't wait till the end of the day to do so. There's something about the midnight hour that magnifies our desperateness because all logical and rational venues have already been explored. When I look out over the horizon and I contemplate America's socioeconomic, political, and racial time of day, I say it's the midnight hour. In 2004, the Kerwin Institute for the Study of Race and Ethnicity at Ohio State University, they did a study and they compared the racial disparities from 50 years ago, you remember in the Brown era, to those of today. The facts there revealed what we all know, 
Black Americans have made substantial strides in the past 50 years. But you know what? It also reveals something that we never talk about. White people have made substantial strides as well. And just as they have made strides, there still is a big disparity. If I look out over the horizon and I focus on the subject of employment and I ask the question, what time is it? I would have to say that it's still the midnight hour. First of all, our perceptions are not the same. A Gallup poll revealed that 76% of whites who answered the study felt that black Americans have the same equal access to all jobs, while 49% of black Americans felt the same way. Now this is what I think. It stands to reason that if everyone had equal access to jobs, the unemployment rates for blacks would not be twice that of whites. In 2003, the unemployment rate for black males was 11.6 as compared to 5.6 for white males. For black women, it was 10.2 as compared with 4.8 for white women. If I look out over the horizon and focus on the subject of housing and I ask the question, what time is it? I would have to say it's still the midnight hour. In the year 2000, the proportion of black households that owned homes was 65% lower than the proportion of white households that had obtained home ownership. In short, whites rent less and own more, and blacks own less and rent more. It's twice as hard for black people to obtain mortgages today as whites with comparable incomes. If I look out over the horizon and I focus on the subject of special education, which is a subject very near to my heart, and I ask the question, what time is it? I would have to say it's still the midnight hour. A Harvard Civil Rights Project in 2002 determined that minority children, and when I say minority, I'm saying black and African American. Minority children are, I'm saying black and Hispanic, okay? That minority children are underrepresented in the gifted programs, but they are overrepresented in special education. Minority children are nearly three times as likely to be labeled mentally retarded and nearly twice as likely to be labeled emotionally disturbed. Now, if that's not enough, the study said that it was predictably in the southern states where the extraordinarily high percentages of students were labeled with mental retardation. And I'm very proud to report to you that Texas was not listed as one of those states. So let's say hallelujah. If I look out over the horizon 
and I focus on the subject of income and I ask the question, what time is it? I would still say that it's the midnight hour. Do you know that middle class blacks possess 15 cents of every dollar held by middle class whites? Do you know that the average white American's mean net worth is 12 times that of black Americans? If I look out over the horizon and I focus on the subject of poverty in America and I ask that same old question, what time is it? I would have to say it's still the midnight hour. Even though African American poverty rates have declined by 60 percent, disparity still exists. African-American individual and family poverty rates currently are twice that of whites. Hispanic children's poverty rate is also double that of white, of whites. In 2000, two-thirds of the people living in concentrated urban poverty were black and Hispanic. In rural areas, the people who are impoverished are black, Hispanic, and Native American. If I look out over the horizon and I focus on the subject of crime victimization and I ask myself the question, what time is it? I would have to say that it's still the midnight hour. I want you to listen to this. Crime victimization for African Americans has decreased 27% in the last 50 years. Still, the likelihood for being what I call KWB, killed while black, is seven times greater than the likelihood of being killed, KWW, killed by white, okay? Disparities are symptoms of structural racism. Recognizing them is not enough. We need to examine our assumptions around them. In their work entitled American Apartheid, Douglas Massey and Nancy Denton say this, inequality is built into the system. Disparities are not a sign that the current system is not working. It is a sign that it's working exactly as it's supposed to. If I stop looking out over the horizon and I merely look out into our congregation, not this Sunday, but one of the other 50-something Sundays, and I ask the question, what time is it? What would you say? Let me make this easy for you. The Reverend Elder Darlene Garner reports in her State of African Americans in the UFMCC address, she says this, as was reported to general counsel, we acknowledge that UFMCC indeed does indeed have a foundational commitment to cultural diversity and racial inclusivity. She goes on to say, however, the commitment is still a dream. 
See up there, it says the dream lives, it's yet living. In February this year, Reverend Elder Garner appointed a people of African descent, we call it PAD, Advisory Council. Denise Junius and Vicki Gibbs, forgive me for not saying your name the last time, raise your hands, okay, are also members of this council. And its purpose is to develop and implement appropriate strategies that will lead to an increased number of people of African descent in our local churches and in leadership throughout MCC. Our moderator and our board of elders are committed to diversity and resurrection we need to be committed to. Paul and Silas sang praises to God at midnight, and something happened. The doors flew open and the chains fell off. I had been praising God and testifying about God's goodness as I journeyed to Costa Rica. I shared my sandwiches and my fruit and my drinks with the other passengers, because I always travel with food. And one of some of the people I shared with was the woman and her nephew who got off the bus with me. Now, when I realized that I was in a fix, I knew that my God would be a very present help because that was my time of trouble. And sure enough, the woman stopped and she turned around and she told me to come and walk with her to her sister's house where I could call my friends to come and get me. I did that and all ended well. I want you to know that in the midnight hour, we can see God saving. In Exodus 11, God told Moses that it would be midnight when the firstborn children of the Israelites would be spared from death. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us a parable about the ten virgins, and he lets us know that when midnight fell, the bridegroom came and took those who were ready. In Mark 13, chapter, Jesus makes it plain. He says, you don't know what time the master is coming. It may be when midnight. And that's why I say to one and to all, watch. In Luke 11 and 5, Jesus tells us about a friend knocking on a door at midnight. When times are scary and unpredictable, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be open. Finally, I want to say this little story in Acts 20, 20 and 7. It's funny to me. One Sunday, Paul was preaching, and he preached till midnight. This young fellow named Eutychus was sitting up in a loft. He fell in a deep sleep, and he fell down from the loft, and he died. Paul went down, embraced him, started eating and, he dr and drinking. He kept on talking till the break of day. When Paul left, the dead man was alive. I want you to know, in the midnight hour, God moves. In the midnight hour, Jesus comes. In the midnight hour, the Holy Spirit comes and shakes us free. When your midnights come, sing praises and watch for your miracles. Amen. Amen.